Welcome into the water cooler. Week 12 is here. Auburn is 11-0. Who would have ever guessed except us? Yeah, that's Maybe right. We get to this point. Auburn clinching the SEC Western Championship with a huge win against the Georgia Bulldogs last week. We've punched our ticket to Atlanta. We'll be taking on South Carolina once again on December 4th. We're both hoping and praying that we get tickets in the lottery. When do we find out about that? I think uh, I think Wait. they're going to announce that tonight, actually. All right. So we'll see see what happens with that. But regardless, great victory for Auburn last Saturday. First time since I've been here that we've beaten Georgia. First time since 2005. <clears throat> Let's recap the victory a little bit. Let's start uh, start with Auburn's offense. Scored on the first possession. Stalled a little bit after that, but came back pretty strong after that. Yeah, I think that was, I guess, overhyped. I don't know. It seemed it seemed like everybody was very energetic. Yeah. Um, I guess focus kind of went down after that first drive for whatever reason. <clears throat> Seems like we had penalties, or I guess that also that turnover, the the tip pass um, by Emory, Emory Blake, uh, also led to Georgia score. So I think it was just lack of focus. It seemed like um, overhyped. Plus, you got to think about how the distractions, you know, from Cam Cam Newton allegations affected the team. Um, so, obviously, I think they got it together after I guess what, the second quarter, really. Yeah, they really weren't weren't down for too long. Georgia got up twenty-one to seven at the that was the highest lead that Georgia had. I I agree with you though. I think uh, the reaction to the off the field stuff from past the past week. Uh, caused the players to be really hyped up, and uh, when that happens, you lose a little bit of focus, and that was that was where all those penalties were coming from. Not to mention the fact that uh, I think early in this game, the chippiness started yeah. between the two teams. You know, we only can imagine what the Georgia players were saying, but I can guess it might have had something to do with Cam Newton and or his mom. So, yep. uh, you know, who, who knows what was being said down there. But once uh, once the offense was able to settle down a little bit, they basically had their way with Georgia's defense, scoring on uh, pretty much every possession it in the second not, half, I, I believe. We put it only twice the whole game. Yeah, so good, good work again for Auburn's offense, once again showing that uh, Cam Newton really uh, can't be stopped at this point. He... he Made some really nice passes through the air. Those uh, touchdown passes to Philip Lutzenkirk, and I mean, th- those were professional NFL level passes. He's yeah. threading those uh, through a very small window there, and I think that's part of Cam's game that's really gotten way better as the year that's gone along. Yeah, his, his passing has definitely improved. I don't know if that's just the fact that you know Malzahn's letting him do that, you know, because on his it seems like his stats, you know. For for the past few games, have been very fifty fifty. Yeah. Both, you know, at least one hundred and fifty rushing, at least one hundred and fifty passing. So and it's 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 amazing what he's doing right now. What Malzahn is, his play calling is just fantastic. Yeah, and earlier in the season, Malzahn said he'd like <laughs> to get more toward a fifty fifty balance, and we've sort of seen Auburn doing that, and that's a result of the defenses that the other teams play. <laughs> Obviously, but it really didn't matter what Georgia was doing out there too much. Auburn was yeah. finding a, a good way to to get past it, and uh, the offensive line in this game was really, uh, aside from the early game and they were getting some penalties and whatnot, aside from that, they were pretty dominant. 
once again in this game. And that's really where it all starts. Speaking of Cam Newton, we won't go in-depth like we did last week, but uh, at this point what we know about Cam Newton is obviously he was eligible to play on Saturday. Uh, we're hearing that there may be some kind of resolution to this by Friday. And it's hard to predict what may happen. Uh, a lot of the parties like John Bond and Kenny Rogers interviewing with the NCAA this week, but if I had to make a guess, uh, I'm pretty optimistic that we may hear something very positive by Friday. Is that kind of your feeling on this, too? Yeah, it seems to be the all accounts, you know, coming out from the, I guess, more prestigious beat writers like Philip Marshall, uh, Jeffrey Lee, um, those guys, it seems like it's going to be in favor of Auburn. Yeah, and relatively and, soon. That's yeah. that's the the key point, I guess, because I know most people would just like to get this over with. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have some kind of resolution there. Other than that, we don't really have any new developments. I, I think pretty much everything that could possibly come out has come out this far, although yeah. who knows? I mean, <laughs> it seems like, you know, something crazy comes out all the time here. But yeah. Might dig up, dig up something from his middle school years or something. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Stealing. it's... Absolutely ridiculous, oh, but uh, anyway, that that's all we'll say about that. A couple other notes on Auburn's offense uh, to look at. Ontario McCaleb, three touchdowns in this game. Still having a little bit of trouble making some cuts, but he has really improved as the season's gone on, and uh, it seems like his confidence is just growing right now. Yeah, he's, he's definitely running with authority now, it seems like, instead of trying to dodge people. He's actually, you know, putting his shoulder down and trying to knock him over, even though he is still what, a buck 80? Yeah. He, he kind of knocks him out of the way a little bit just because he going, he's going so fast. But anyways, he's he's definitely running with aggression. It seems like that little pep talk from Bo Jackson earlier in the year has definitely uh, boosted his confidence. Uh, he's, I don't know how he's, I think yeah, I saw a stat that he's, in the first five games, he only had maybe 300 yards and like one touchdown. And now it's since I guess the last five games or whatever, he's had, I think, over 400 yards at least and maybe like five touchdowns or something, something like that. It was it was a very interesting stat. Yeah, his, so. his production and his carries have really oh, yeah. increased as the year has gone along, and he just provides a great counter threat to what Cam Newton and Mike Dyer are doing with that uh, run up the middle or, or those uh, jet sweeps that they like to run with uh, starting – McCaleb in motion coming over and then the defense has to account for the incredible speed of McCaleb going around the corner and also the ability of Cam Newton to run up the middle. I mean, it's almost uh, like a pick-your-poison type situation yeah, at that point. Uh, we've also, you know, obviously seen that, like, Ole Miss game. They take away Cam. There goes Dyer and McCaleb running Absolutely. Wild. And then same thing at LSU. On McCaleb's long run, they took away Cam. McCaleb runs around the end. So. Yeah, and an underrated ability of Cam Newton is really to make the right decision on that because yeah. that's his choice. Does he want to keep the ball or is he given? And he just makes the right decision time after time after time. And that's you know, aside from his athletic abilities, I think you have to give a nod to his knowledge of the game and what the defense is doing because. We've said earlier in the season, once he makes a mistake, he never makes that same mistake again twice. Yeah. And, man, I'm really starting to believe that. So. Yeah. I, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, I it's like it. very, very impressive. Uh, and, and, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Mike Dyer's special moment in this game. Probably the closest I've ever come to crying at a football game. Let's put it that way. But uh, <laughs> when Mike Dyer 
broke Bo Jackson's freshman rushing record. Bo Jackson on the sideline, which, by the way, it's great to see uh, Bo Jackson so involved with the team this year. I, mean, I don't remember us ever seeing anything like that when Timberville was here. That's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, Bo Jackson coming over to Mike Dyer, uh, giving him a hug, a, a kiss on the forehead, and raising his hand. That was yeah. pretty neat. I, I'm That's, not going to lie. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a moment, Yeah, I guess. Uh, that was, like you said, it was, kind of, it was about as emotional as you can get you know, over one little moment. Yeah, uh, it was... In a football game. So. It, it was really nice to see that, and, and almost kind of a figurative passing of the torch, I guess, yeah. if you will. But uh, it, Mike Dyer really turning into a special player, and I, I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch over the next couple of years. So, Offense, by all accounts, did very well in this game, as they have been doing uh, pretty much every game. This season, once again, rushing for over 300 yards on an SEC opponent. Just That streak just keeps going. But another streak that unfortunately keeps going is uh, the defense struggling at times. Especially in the secondary. When you got a guy like A.J. Green playing for the other team, I mean, he, he really did look like a, a man playing amongst boys. We just had no answer for him. Yeah, I'm not sure what if you have an answer for him. And I guess you can always slide a safety over towards his side a little more. Then it kind of opens up something else on the other side. So I, I think they were just be like, hey, he'll get his yards because he's that good. But uh, at least our offense is good enough that we can overcome whatever scores he had, which he had, what, two, three touchdowns? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it all happened in the first quarter too. So. I, I mean, I think we, we kind of knew that he was going to get some touchdowns. I, I just <laughs> – wasn't so prepared for how easy he made yeah. it look. I mean, he made some spectacular catches, and he just, uh, even when we would put two or three guys over there to cover him, he'd still be open. Yeah, you know, somehow. Just, it's, uh, it's really amazing. And then, like you said, when we did that, opened up a lot of other possibilities. And give some credit to Aaron Murray, uh, Georgia's freshman quarterback. He showed a lot of poise back there and made some really nice passes. Yeah, he's... I think he's going to be tough in the upcoming years. Yeah, he's going to be good. Yeah, kind of saw flashes of, you know, a Ma- young Matthew Stafford. Yeah, almost maybe without the arm strength, you know, because shoot, Matthew Stafford could throw it from goal line to goal line. But anyways, but still, it was it was impressive. Yeah, it was very very impressive for a freshman. Uh, of course, he took a lot of hits from Auburn's yep. defensive line, especially Nick Fairley. <laughs> Been a lot of talk after the game uh, about Nick Fairley being a dirty player. And obviously, uh, I think there's one hit that Fairley made that most would agree he shouldn't have. Uh, a hit to the back with his helmet. Uh, probably shouldn't have made that. Got flagged for that one. 15-yard penalty for roughing the passer eventually led to a Georgia touchdown. So Auburn paid the price for that. A lot of people also up in arms over the play that uh, took Aaron Murray out of the game where Nick Fairley ended up hitting his knee. Not so sure about that one. If you watch the replay, it kind of looks like Nick Fairley was blocked into him and didn't really have any choice. I mean, are you buying all this about Nick Fairley being a dirty player? I I think it's because he's so aggressive and so rough because he's so strong and just mean, I guess, and has that nasty streak. And plus, he's, he's the best in the nation. Yeah. For some reason... Even even I'm, I, I, I do it to some 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 degree, but like if you're the best, people always want to try to find things to bring you down. 
So it's true. Because I, when I, I did it with Tim Tebow, you know, everybody's saying, hey, Tim Tebow, blah, 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 whatever, you know. Because, so, I did it with Tim Tebow because he was the best at that at the time. People were doing Nick Fraley because he's the best this year. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, he, he is very rough. And I think that is getting to the minds. Another thing, it seems like that's a mind game for the quarterbacks. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, it's something that's always right there in the yeah, back of your mind. Because they all know he's, maybe not him specifically, but our defensive line is taking out quarterbacks out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, we got a quite an impressive streak going on with yeah. taking quarterbacks out of the game. <laughs> One thing I would like to mention with that is Nick Fairley is a guy who plays on the edge. He, uh, he's going to get just as much roughness as he can within the rules of the game. But for all that, he's only had two roughing the passer penalties all season, which uh, yeah. is not that many when you consider how many sacks he's had, how many times he's been in the backfield. Uh, I mean, judging by that, it's not too bad. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Tell a guy to back off? He, football, yeah. is, like it or not, <laughs> it's a rough game. And, uh, you know, if you don't want your quarterback to get hit, then either try to run the ball more so maybe the uh, the defensive line can't get such an aggressive pass rush or, you know, try to get your offensive line to block a little better. That's yeah. you, you can't blame a guy for doing his job when, to this point, for the most part, he has done everything within the rules. Yeah, that's uh, also another thing. Uh, and offenses they can say do bootlegs or run run out to the side, you know, to run away from Nick Crowley because I've seen that numerous times. Yeah, roll out, yeah. Or whatever. You know, there are ways so, around that. Uh, you yeah. know, if, if you're getting sacked, that's just part of the game. Yeah, you know? so it's, it's football. It's rough, and that's that's what it is. And uh, obviously the, the Georgia players not taking too kindly to some of Nick Fairley's actions, probably just because they were upset about getting beat. But uh, one particular play, Georgia offensive lineman chop-blocked Nick Fairley. That got called. Uh, may have actually happened a couple of times. Uh, and then on another play, Nick Fairley on the ground, Georgia player uh, gives him the business underneath his helmet. I guess that's the best way to describe yeah. it. Sets off a, a little bit of a fracas between the Auburn and Georgia players. Uh, Mike Goggins <coughs> ejected out of that for throwing a punch. He'll be out for the first half of the Alabama game. Surprisingly, none of the Georgia players ejected. Uh, a pretty yeah. interesting contrast with that fight. All the Auburn players on the bench stayed on the sideline not the case for the Georgia players. Pretty much every single one of them coming onto the field. By NCAA rule, that is supposed to be a one-game suspension for each of them. <coughs> Haven't heard anything about that going on. And then, of course, on uh, a couple plays after that, a little bit more jawing going back and forth, and uh, Mike Blanc gives uh, Georgia player a little tap on the helmet, I guess, and he ends up getting ejected, too. So both Mike Blanc and... Uh, Goggins out for the first half of the Alabama game. Kind of an ugly ending to that game. But uh, I was really hoping to at least see uh, a little bit of punishment for the Georgia players for the way they were acting. Yeah, I, it's, it was definitely on both sides. I, you know, both teams kind of jawing at each other. Um, I, I, I guess it was the offensive line, you know, if they had a I guess trying to protect their quarterback or whatever, you know. But yeah. still, that's that's uncalled for to be 
trying to eye gouge somebody or I don't know. It's just uh, yeah, there there should have been consequences in Georgia in some way. Yeah, I I mean you can't punish one side and not the other when uh, when something like that it, it was both sides both yeah. sides did things they should not have we're not trying to apologize too much for Auburn here because I was pretty disappointed in that too but uh, I think you're just sending the wrong message when you allow this Georgia team to run off the field or run onto the field from the bench like that and that's yeah. supposed to be a penalty you got to enforce that yeah you know, so. there's there's one instance some coach is trying to hold back one player and you know he's he's getting drugged behind him, holding on to yeah. his jersey. And I don't know. I'm... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we talked about the discipline with Georgia. How that was, that's been a concern for them. We saw before the game the, the Georgia players uh, stomping on the Auburn logo midfield, drawing a nice chorus of boos from the Auburn fans. I mean, that's just that's the kind of stuff you really don't want to see in a rivalry like this. But uh, it is what it is. And... Uh, so defensively, still some things to work on for Auburn. Is there have been all season at this point. I, I don't know how much better the defense can really get. Um, we'll mention the special teams real quick here. First of all, I think Auburn had great kickoff coverage in this game. They did not allow Georgia to get much of anything on the kick returns, but it was kind of the same on our side, too. We really couldn't break much of anything, which was kind of surprising based on what we've seen at other times this season. Yeah, I think that's that's credit to George's kicker who had hang time of like ten plus seconds. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Definitely George's kicker. I think is, but aside from uh, LSU's punter, one of the better kickers we've seen all. Oh, year. absolutely. Both both the the punter and the kicker for Georgia. Yeah, they're very good. Fantastic. And uh, speaking of punting. We saw Ryan Shoemaker get back into the game for Auburn at punter. I guess uh, Auburn coach is trying to try something different. Unfortunately, uh, one of the kicks he made was very good. Uh, right near the goal line, we just weren't able to convert it. Ended up letting that one get into the end zone. But that, that was an encouraging sign for me, a pretty decent punt from Shoemaker, who we've mentioned this before watching him in warm-ups. When he makes a good kick, it's a lot better than Stephen Clark's kicks. But Shoemaker's big problem has been consistency. So we'll see if he can keep that up, but uh, that'll be something to keep an eye out for, Yep. I guess, as the games go along here. And, of course, uh, Auburn getting a nice needed bye week this week, and uh, that means that all of us get a week off from the heart pains and stress and anxiety and everything else that goes with all these games. But what we're going to do here, we're going to go ahead and uh, give a preliminary analysis of the Alabama game. That's right, it is time to finally start talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide here. Next week, I'm going to be doing the show with uh, with my friend David Tutwiler back in Decatur. We're going to re-preview the Auburn-Alabama game next week, and I'm going to give my prediction then, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it here. Brett's going to give his predictions today. Why don't you start us off? What, what do you feel like some keys to this game are going to be? Uh, definitely stopping Alabama's run, just like last year. Take their run game out, make them one-dimensional, uh, and that's that's what you have to do to beat Bama. Um, obviously, Ingram definitely not having as good of a year as he had last year. Richardson, he's having a good year, but he's hurt right now. I yeah, think. he didn't play last week. Yeah, so not sure the status of him. 
But uh, still, stop Bama's running game. Because if they get that going, comes the play-action pass, and they'll just shred you. Um, so stop Bama's running game. Also, we have to establish a run game, which we don't seem to have a problem with that. Uh, but that's also Bama's defense is very good, very disciplined. Um, so I think we have to establish a run game as well. And, and of course, special teams. Anytime you get good special teams play, you have a very good uh, probability to win. So yeah, I mean. Uh... <laughs> We've seen the difference that field position especially can make in a game like this, and that, that all comes down to special teams. You mentioned establishing the running game for Auburn. I kind of feel like Alabama's linebackers not quite as good this year as they were last year, although Dante Hightower is still a very good player, but overall the level of linebacker play probably not as high as it was last year. Not saying it's bad, but just yeah. saying a little bit lower than it was. Yeah. And well, a little bit of a drop-off since McClain left. Right, yeah. And obviously uh, Alabama also a little bit inexperienced in the secondary. Not necessarily uh, not talented, but uh, inexperienced nonetheless. So that has to make you feel pretty good about Auburn's chances on offense. I, I think Auburn will be able to establish a pretty good rushing game. I don't necessarily think that Alabama's going to have some magical answer or magical advantage for being able to stop Cam Newton if nobody else has been able to do it yeah. up to this point. So uh, I think the Auburn offense is still going to be able to score. Uh, again, it's just going to come down to Auburn's defense and what can they do. Uh, like you said, if they're able to shut down that rushing game, and usually this season Auburn has been pretty good at stopping a, a between-the-tackles power rushing type of game, which is, is what Alabama <laughs> likes to do most of the time. But... Nick Saban's not stupid. I mean, he, he knows what's been working against Auburn this season. He knows that those outside runs have been very successful. He knows that the screen passes have been very successful. He's going to incorporate some of that stuff, especially since, uh, you know, those are easy type passes for McElroy to make, yeah. those screen passes. And they got guys like Julio Jones and Marquise Mays who can take advantage of that stuff, make some things happen. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think McElroy might have a pretty good game uh, here, just like all the other quarterbacks have. A lot of Auburn fans like to say that McElroy not a very good quarterback and all this, and he may not be one of the best in the country, but I, I'm kind of predicting that he's going to have a pretty big day against Auburn's secondary. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll get his yards, I think, you know, around the 250 range, kind of similar to Murray. That's, that's, that would be my guess. Um I guess the main offensive weapon against Bamba that I'm a, I'm kind of afraid of is Mays. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a very speedy guy, you know, kind of small or smallish, you know, around five ten, very speedy, you know, on say like uh, reverses, um, quick, you know, uh, passes like you said, screen passes. Um, so definitely, I think he's he's probably the biggest threat. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, he and Julio Jones both give me a little bit of worry. Just uh, based on how we've seen Auburn's secondary struggle against premier receivers this year. So, a little bit of cause for concern there. We've been talking about uh, Nick Fairley. Defensive quarterback pressure is going to be huge in this game. Uh, they're going to have to be able to get into the backfield and disrupt what McElroy is trying to do. We saw LSU able to do that, causing a, a critical fumble at the end of the game there for McElroy. Those are the kind of things that. Auburn's defensive line is going to have to do in this game, but 
they're going to have to do it basically as marked men, uh, especially yeah. Nick Fairley. With all this talk this week, you got to believe that, I mean, the refs are only human. They're going to be watching out for anything that might even be borderline. So that just kind of raises the difficulty level a little bit for that defensive line. Yeah, they have to get pressure on McElroy, especially on passing situations. Because um, one thing I've noticed is Alabama's offensive line isn't as good as last year's, which may attribute to why the run game isn't as good. Right. Um, but also, but still, pass protection, it's it's decent. But uh, I think McElroy, he tends to hold on to the ball a lot longer than he should. Kind of like Chris Todd did some last year, and even in years with Brandon Cox. They like to hold on to the ball. And plus, he's not that mobile. So I mean, Yeah, he's, he's not like a guy that's going to take off on you. Yeah. Uh, he's... I'm trying to think of a quarterback he's similar to. Uh, the only one I can think of is like a better Jarrett Lee. You know, not 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 too fast the legs, not too mobile, but still a pretty good arm. Yeah, I mean, I might even compare him to a guy like Brandon Cox, something like that. Yeah. You know, he's not not especially <laughs> mobile, but a game manager. Yeah, he's able to get it done without making too many mistakes usually. So definitely. Uh, Definitely still a threat. You know, you don't want to take the yeah. guy like that too lightly. You know, a lot of a lot of Auburn fans, like we said, don't have a lot of respect for him. But uh, he, he's still a pretty decent quarterback, and he fits well into what they tried to do there. So you mentioned uh, the rushing game for Alabama not having a, a whole lot of success maybe as a result of their offensive line. We've seen that happen uh, pretty frequently in the, the past couple of games for Alabama. They had a pretty decent day against Mississippi State, but... A lot of the other teams uh, having pretty good success at stopping Alabama's rushing attack. So uh, that seems to bode well for Auburn that we'll be able to do the same thing. Yeah, I think I think I believe we are second in the SEC against the rush. Yeah, we're we're pretty good. Yeah. So and then we're like tenth in the SEC against the pass. Yeah. So not I mean, so good at that. At least we're good at something. You're good at one of the other stuff. Yeah, well, you remember last year, Auburn, uh, we had a lot of trouble on defense against both facets. Yeah. Gave up a lot of runs and a lot of passes, so definitely improved on one front there. Uh, one other thing that I'd like to throw in here, and, and I've been thinking about this as the year's gone along, you look back to the away games that Auburn's played this year. Mississippi State, pretty loud environment with the Cowbells, but not exactly a huge stadium. Playing at Kentucky, still a pretty small stadium. Fans not really that into it. At Ole Miss, loud for like the first two minutes, and after that, basically no noise. Does it worry you that the the first time we're going into a really hostile environment this year is against Alabama? I'm a little bit, but I think this team's focused enough, or is focused enough to overcome that. Yeah. And plus, I think the coaches have the right mindset to make sure the players know exactly what to do. Um, also, I think this two weeks to prepare will definitely help. Uh, that's that's two weeks worth of noise practice or silent count practice or whatever you want to call it. So I think that's definitely will help. But it'll be interesting to see how a uh, uh, hundred thousand rednecks will be yeah, screaming really. and who knows hollering and whatever they do. Well, uh, you know. It- Probably when you get to a certain level of noise, it doesn't really matter anymore how much louder it gets. And uh, for the most part, Auburn's offense doesn't really require a whole lot of verbal communication anyway. You know, looking over to the sideline, that's all based on hand signals and whatnot. So 
none, none of that really changes a whole lot, but still, you know, it, it does become a little bit intimidating and it changes your mindset a little bit when that starts happening. So yeah. I think that'll definitely be something to pay attention to. But, you know, if you score quickly, you can take that away pretty oh, yeah. quickly as well. So we'll have to see uh, see if Auburn's able to put some points up on the board relatively quickly. And not just do that, because we were able to do that last year, but but also hang on as the, as the game goes on here. So you got any other keys here? Are you ready to make a prediction uh, in this game? Yeah, no, nothing else at the time. I may have to maybe call in while you're doing yeah. the show or something yeah. if I think of something else. But uh, I think, yeah, we'll have to stop, stop Alabama's running game, put the game in McElroy's hands, because I really don't think he can do it by himself. You know, um, so, and plus the defense, Alabama's defense, although they are very good, very talented, but they're still missing some pieces like a Mount Cody up in the middle. Right. That is very, definitely hurting because Bama is, I think, in the bottom of the SEC in tackles for loss and sacks. Um, not sure where they ranked in the run game. I think still pretty high just because they're very talented. Again, the inexperience and secondary, the linebacking core, not as good as they used to be or last year. I think, of course, Auburn will will score. Um, if our defense does, does its job like it usually does, you know, obviously, it'll, Bama will get their points. But if we make crucial stops like we have been, I believe Auburn can easily pull it out. Easily pull it maybe out? Not, well, maybe not easily, but, you know. So... I'm going to have to go with at least probably a 7 to 10 point advantage to Auburn. Okay. What what kind of score range? I really don't think they can keep us below 30. Okay. So you think this could be a relatively high scoring game? Yeah. I'm going to go with probably Auburn. Probably very similar to the Georgia game, actually. Okay. So maybe Auburn in the low 40s, Bama in the low 30s, maybe mid 30s. So I'm going to go with that. All right. Well, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. I'm going to hold off on my uh, my final pick until next week. But I'll just say now that uh, I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> so let's put it that way. All right. But uh, anyways, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm very thankful to have the off weekend this week to yeah. kind of take some time to make sure I get into full Bama hating mode. We'll allow that to... Uh, flush itself out over the next week here is festering up inside of me a little bit more every day by day. So. Yeah, I kind of wish I was having Thanksgiving in Birmingham instead of down in Florida with my grandmother and mom's side of the family, so I don't, I don't get exposed to all the bangers. Yeah, well, you just have to, like, set up a webcam or something. So I, you can, I guess. Or just basically just read message boards. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Just... Read AL.com. <laughs> That's probably one of the worst places to read. Or just ESPN.com message boards. It's just terrible. Yeah, go read the AL.com message boards, and you'll be ready to go then. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll be ready to run through a wall. So. Yeah, but wish kind of wish I was around the Bammers for a week, so just so I can uh, definitely have my, my Bammer hating in full force. But it'll probably come back very soon. Oh, don't worry. As soon as we get there oh, on yeah. Friday. So I might have to call out a couple of them like I had at Tennessee game. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll see how it goes. We're... <laughs> Making the team trek up to Tuscaloosa on Black Friday, and hopefully we'll be bringing back a win with us. So. Yep, I believe so. We'll see how that goes. Right now we got some uh, crazy news stories for you. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with those. 
Back into the water cooler. We've got uh, the crazy news stories ready to go here for you, as always. Brett, why don't you start us off? What do you got first? I, uh, this one's coming from Sanford, Florida. Um, all right, this is a very unusual perk for, uh, say, used cars, car dealerships. Um, this Florida car dealership, in order to, you know, bring in more customers, make business look, go a little more have more business uh, you get a free wait you get $400 credit to a gun shop alright yeah so you can buy you can go buy a truck then you get $400 voucher what they call it to go to I guess the gun shop next door to buy whatever you want um, they say customers have to pay pass a background check before using the four hundred dollars for the gun shop, um, but uh, if they don't want a gun, they can get four hundred dollars anyways. So, and I guess in, in cash, yeah, oh, four hundred dollars okay. cash instead of a voucher for the gun. Uh, apparently, um, business has doubled. Now, this says something about an AK forty seven assault rifle. Is that one of the choices, or I I think so. I guess AK forty sevens are below four hundred dollars. Wow, that's crazy. That's like the, uh, the the Soviet guns, right? Yeah, that's remember the, those from uh, Goldeneye? Yeah, those are the ones that always jam and James Bond uses and yeah. stuff. So, wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's this pretty interesting. Sanford, Florida. Where is that? Do you have any idea? No idea. Hopefully, not close where I'm living. Otherwise, actually, uh, actually, I do know where it is. I think it's it's between Jacksonville and Orlando, oh, somewhere. Okay. Hopefully, far starts. enough away to where everybody <laughs> will be shooting these guns and not near yeah. me. So. Wow. Well, yeah, very interesting. You know, you got to do whatever you can in this down economy, including selling assault rifles uh, yeah, while people are buying trucks. Still, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I, they're like complementary products, right? Yeah. Uh, and then $400, you know, given and instead of like a $1,000 discount or whatever, $400 gun. $400, but it's a gun. Yeah. So it's like more than $400. So really, you could just get that and get the gun and then go in and take the dealership hostage and get even more money back. Yeah, I guess. I guess nobody has figured that out yet, though, huh? Uh, I guess not. We don't have a news story about it yet. Maybe next week. <laughs> All right. We're going to move over to Lincoln, Nebraska now, where a woman allegedly tried to cut the tattooed name off of her boyfriend's neck. So, apparently, uh, I guess in better times, this woman, she's 19... Dating a 30-year-old. First indication of interesting happenings here. At some point when things were going well, she got her name tattooed on this man's neck. The ultimate expression of love. <laughs> and uh, I guess they've fallen on hard times. They got into a dispute on Friday. And that's when she tried to cut the tattoo off of his neck. 
Good news, though. Boyfriend suffered only minor injuries, mostly scratches. Still has to live with the fact that he was stupid enough to get a 19-year-old girl's name tattooed on his neck. <laughs> wow. That's, that's high quality. That's why you get hint of tattoos. Yeah, exactly. Don't whatever. do those permanent or, ones. Just don't do tattoos. Unless it's of something really permanent like the Auburn AU. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's that's not going anywhere, but, uh, you know. It, weren't you thinking that maybe you're dating a 19-year-old and may, maybe you shouldn't do this right now? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's... I, I guess it seemed permanent at the time, so why not, right? Nebraska? Oh, I'm not really sure what all comes out of Nebraska besides corn. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it, actually. Corn and crazy people. Yeah. So. I don't know. Thanks. The, the farmer, rival far, farmer, farmers, you know, son and daughter, I don't know. Yeah, or, you know, maybe marking your territory or something, I don't know, it's it's interesting, but, yeah. Uh, Still pretty crazy. I never understand the whole getting people's names tattooed on you, it just doesn't ever seem like a good idea. Yeah, I know, plus, lasers take too long to take it off. Exactly. Plus, you can still kind of see it. Yeah, so, <coughs> anyways... Take that as a lesson for the week. Don't get your boyfriend, boyfriend or girlfriend's name tattooed on you at any cost. It's just not worth it. Yep. All right, so, uh, yeah, here's another one. Um, wish I knew exactly where... Oh, Wisconsin. All right. Um, all right, so uh, this guy, he and his wife were watching Dancing with the Stars. Which uh, you've been known to do from time to time, right? Yep. Uh, I watch it with my girlfriend. Tom right. watched it by himself. Yep, Tom watched it by himself. <laughs> I'm, I'm there because I kind of don't really have, have to, but, you know, I'm there. It's it's interesting. It's kind of fun. Um, but anyways, this guy, 67, Stephen Cohen, or watching Dance with the Stars with his wife Monday night. And uh, everybody knows Sarah, Sarah Palin's daughter, Bristol, is on there. Somehow she has made it to the top four. Does she talk five. like her mom? She has the same voice? No, she doesn't talk much at all, and it's always very awkward when she does talk. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And they always show her mom in the audience. Shouldn't she be out, like, watching a la- or watching Russia from her house or something? Or, I, don't I don't know. know. Does she have more important things to do? I mean, she's not... I guess she doesn't have a job right now. It's true. She doesn't. So, yeah, it goes good supporting her daughter, but... Um, anyways, this guy... Uh, once she once she came on, he was so enraged by her dancing, slash politics of the Palin family or whatever, that he goes runs out of the room, disappears for a second, and then comes back in with a single shot shotgun and fires at the TV. Oh man, <laughs> that's crazy. Yep, and his all all his wife had to say. When, he, when she told the police was he scared the bejeebies out of me <laughs> uh, and so with a comment like that it seems like this is kind of a regular occurrence oh, of wow. pulling guns out of for crazy reasons uh, hopefully by now he knows that he can't shoot the Palins through the TV didn't work they're still out there yep uh, apparently he had a or he suffers from a mental health condition uh, and he went on to threaten to kill himself 
and now faces disorderly conduct and weapons charges with after a standoff with police. Jeez. That's a, that's the definition of a hot mess right there. But, I, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I think Sarah Palin's pretty annoying, and <laughs> probably her daughter is too, but, uh, you know, I, I, they're just dancing, you know? It's people just want to dance. I don't know, but she is so bad. <laughs> I guess... Should, she should have been gone, like, within the first... After that guy from uh, Jersey Shore, the situation. Oh, they had the situation on? Yeah, he was oh, on Oh, man. So he Did was he get on, voted off already? Yeah, he was, like, the third... Second or third person gone. Wow. Anyway, she should have been right after him. And for some reason, she's still on here. Uh, one of the girls on there, Adrena Patridge or some... She's some famous girl. She's on some TV. I'm not sure what show it is. But one of those MTV shows. She was really good. She got booted off earlier. Basically, they should have switched places. But anyways, that's my Dancing with the Stars. The rundown. Commentating or... Yeah. Uh, analysis. I, I mean, I haven't seen Bristol Palin dance, so I can't really comment. I'm, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody's dancing. Maybe this is just coming from somebody who's not a good dancer, but I'd hope that my dancing would never lead anybody to shoot their TV. You know? That's yeah. just, that's that's pretty crazy. I don't know. I'm, there is a quote that he said some bad words. It's like, blank, blank, blank politics. Mm. So, I guess Palin... Plus, she's on TV. Both her daughter and yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can see that, in. but uh, but still, this is I don't know. it's wild. I don't know. Very, very interesting. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't a good TV. He looks like Wilford say. Brimley too. That's you know that guy from the the diabetes commercials or whatever. Yeah, he kind of does. He looks exactly like him. A little younger and a little, a little crazier. Yeah, yeah, crazier. Interesting. Yeah, so. Don't shoot your TV because, you know, something else is going to come on better after that. Oh, absolutely. Like Castle. I don't know what that is, but... Uh, okay, Tom must, knows. must be better. <laughs> All right. We've got a story coming out of Kentucky here. Two central Kentucky men were sentenced to probation last week uh, in connection with a bizarre case in which uh, their friend, a third man, was forced to eat his own beard... After an argument. Uh, apparently, these 47-year-old and 51-year-old men were uh, sentenced last Tuesday after they forced their friend uh, to cut off his beard and then forced him to eat it while another one of the guys held a blade to the man. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really something. I mean... Eating hair, that's kind of gross, but like your own beard, you know, like yeah. you don't know where that's been. Well, I guess you do know where <laughs> it's been, but that's probably even worse then, you know? Yeah, that's 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 pretty bad. Uh, that's that's like a, a very elevated version of triple dog dare you. Exactly. I guess quadruple dog dare you is a knife gets pulled out. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about like quintuple, sextuple uh-huh. with, at some point here. Uh, one, one of the guys who... Well, they, they said that they made him eat his own beard because things got out of control after some heavy drinking. And then uh, the guy said that, I ain't got no excuses about what I done. So apparently they'd do it again. Some high-quality people up there. In, uh, Kentucky, I'll tell you Kentucky. what. What a fun place. I bet they, they probably dared him to eat a dozen double-downs. Probably, and, and he, he wouldn't do it. He... 
either didn't get that far and he quit and caused a ruckus and then they threatened him to cut him open and so he had to interfere. That seems know. pretty logical to me. I mean, I can't think of a better explanation than that. So, I'm Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. I guess some K- Kentucky bourbon. Yeah, that's I mean, why they're drinking. People probably make their own double downs up there. Probably. So. Very interesting. I wonder if the new uh, KFC product will be composed of people's beards. <laughs> That'd be gross. Just All right, a little bit. We got one more story, right? Yeah, here's one more. Uh, this is coming from New York. Um, two doctors are playing golf on Long Island, and uh, one of them hits a terrible shot from the rough, and it smacks his partner somewhere standing off to the side, smacking the head. Um, nice. Come close to that a couple times when I've played. Yeah, so, anyways, this other doctor sues the doctor that, you know, was swing that hit the ball, saying that. He didn't yell four. Oh, wow. Is that legit? Can, uh, can you really sue over that? We, should, we need, like, a lawyer correspondent. I don't know what you, what you would... I don't know. I'm... This... All right, this... Dr. Anoop Kapoor... All right, this is where they went wrong. Yeah. All right, they are both, like... Kind of being racial profiling right here, but they're somewhere off in the Middle Eastern stuff. They don't have golf courses over there. They don't know how to golf. Yeah. And plus, they like to swim the money. Also Apparently. That. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Alright. Dr. Anoop Kabor was negligent and should have yelled for and then the judge dismissed Aznad Azad Anads <laughs> that guy's name. They the, So he dismissed a lawsuit finding that a nad <laughs> took the primary risk by golfing anyways. Actually, that brings brings back to the point. Nick Fairley sacking quarterbacks. Yeah. It's their own fault for playing, right? Yeah. So. Alright, so... Um, yeah, so actually a nad was blinded in one eye. Oh, wow. Uh, That's intense. And I guess they're not friends anymore. That's a shame. I don't know. That's you shouldn't let uh, getting smacked <laughs> in the head by a golf ball interrupt your friendship. You know, it's just too much. That's something you should be laughing at. Yeah, it should be hilarious. But uh, <laughs> well, I'm poor golfing by these guys that don't golf very often, probably less than I do. Which I've only never actually been on a golf course, so I've only been to driving away range a couple times. These guys, this guys are probably pre before their first. Negative golfing experience. Well, I mean, it, golf's a pretty dangerous sport, all the, yeah. or else all those old white guys wouldn't play it. So, it's, I don't know. All right, so sorry if I offended any Middle Eastern Indian guys who listen to this show. Well, we still believe in you. You can become the next Tiger Woods. Yep. Just don't play with any of your friends. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then, then you'll get whacked. All right, maybe cool. we should uh, stop the crazy news there before we get ourselves into any more trouble. But uh, we got some SEC games to talk about, of course, like we do every week. And we'll discuss those right after this very short break here on The Water Cooler.
Welcome back into the water cooler here. Last Saturday night was indeed a good night for the Auburn Tigers, clinching the SEC West title, something they had not done since 2004. Despite that, the rest of the SEC plays onward this week. Auburn, of course, with the bye week. A couple other teams taking a virtual bye week this week as well. Beginning with our in-state rivals, Alabama playing against Georgia State on Thursday, a team that is in its first year of playing football, period. Uh, you know, we heard Nick Saban complain so much about all the other teams having a bye week before they played Alabama, and of course, Alabama lost to LSU coming off of their bye week, so apparently having a bye week not quite as helpful as you might think. And then uh, Alabama scheduling a virtual bye week for the week before playing Auburn, especially moving this game to a Thursday. So I really don't want to hear too much more complaining about that. And I think the only question in this game is, uh, first of all, how much money is Georgia State getting paid? And second of all, how many points is Alabama going to score? Yeah, it's basically playing against a high school team. Yep. Uh, like you said, the first year for Georgia State to have a program, uh, I guess it's good for the kids to you know come over and, Playing a venue like, I guess, against Alabama. I don't know. It's it'll be a good experience for them, I guess. Nice little paycheck to build up the program. Yeah. Not much you can say. Yeah. Easy win there for Alabama. Uh, I'm assuming that Florida and South Carolina playing their homecomings this week too. Florida against Appalachian State, who you may remember beat Michigan a couple of years ago with uh, what, what was that quarterback's name that they had? Um, Appalachian State's quarterback. Yeah. Or? Yeah, Appalachian State, they had some, I can't oh, remember, some, some great, Armani Edwards, is that right? Uh, something like that, I don't know, some great quarterback, He, needless to say, he's not there anymore, so I don't think they're going to be <laughs> Florida, and uh, then South Carolina playing Troy, Troy kind of having a down year from their normal standards, not quite as good as they usually are, so probably an easy victory there for South Carolina, but there are a couple of games this week in which SEC teams will be playing each other. And we'll start with Ole Miss traveling down to Baton Rouge to play LSU. Ole Miss coming off of a drubbing last week against Tennessee. Uh, kind of an embarrassing game for them. And Ole Miss needs to win its last two games just to become bowl eligible. So uh, not, not exactly a lot of chance that that would happen. What are your thoughts on this one? Um... <laughs> our friend Tom just walked in here too to, to our closed studio, so uh, we we might get Tom to pick the the pick ten here along with us here in a little bit. So right. we'll, we'll keep yeah, that, that in mind. Um, yeah, Ole Miss they they don't stand a chance against LSU. Um, they were terrible against Tennessee on the road. Masoli, I think his concussion issues are definitely affecting him right now. Of course, Ole Miss's defense not too good. 
Um, but who knows? Like we always say, uh, Houston Nut might try to pull some tricks out of the bag and always pull off that one amazing victory of the year. So Yeah, it seems like he always gets at least one a year, but I'm pretty confident in saying it's not going to be this one. Maybe, yeah, maybe against Mississippi State, but Ole Miss looked terrible against Tennessee. Yeah. And uh, I think even LSU can muster a little bit of offense against Ole Miss's defense. Yeah, I think they'll be, they'll be able to run Ridley all over him along with uh, Shepard running sweeps and stuff like that. Also, quarterbacks, I think they'll look good in this one now. Yeah, yeah well, we'll see uh, how many points LSU wins that one by, but I feel pretty comfortable taking the, the Bayou Bengals in that yeah, one. At least three touchdowns. A little bit more interesting game here. Arkansas playing at Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a lot of, uh, a lot of Auburn fans pretty angry with them right now, but I'm going to try not to be that way until uh, anything is proven at least. But needless to say, they are, they're facing a really tough test here at home versus Arkansas. Mississippi State going down to Alabama last week. But uh, I still think Mississippi State's defense is one of the better ones in the SEC, the question is just, can they stop Ryan Mallett? Yeah, they, they, I agree. They are one of the better ones in the SEC. Uh, probably top four, I'd have to say. Um, but still, I really don't think they have the players to keep up with that type of offense. Yeah. Um, they're, I mean, they do have a good defensive line, but I still think just the scheme of Bobby Petrino and then, of course, the threat of Ryan Mallett throwing to however, how many receivers they have on Arkansas's team anyways. You know, I just I just don't see how Mississippi State can pull this one out. Even though it, it is at home, um, I don't know. I'll have to go with Arkansas on this one. And uh, it'll probably be very be one of the games that I'll probably end up turning off at halftime. Yeah, I'm not so sure that this one will be super close. Of course, Greg Child's still out for Arkansas for the rest of the season, but uh, they're, yeah, they're the only effect. Yeah, they just kind of move the next guy up. <laughs> yeah. Basically, everybody notches up a place. And, uh, you know, the one thing that maybe concerns me is Arkansas's ability to stop Mississippi State's rushing game, but probably not that big of an issue compared to the glaring uh, inability of Mississippi State to stop that passing game. So I'm with you there. I'm going to take Arkansas on that one. I, I think they'll probably end up not really being that close. And then another game that. Uh, kind of became a little bit less interesting after Tennessee's performance last week. Tennessee and Vandy playing their in-state uh, rivalry this week. It's at Vandy, but Tennessee has looked uh, quite a bit better in the past couple of weeks, especially since they've been starting Tyler Bray at quarterback. Yeah, he seemed to add, have an added spark to the team. Um, yeah, he's playing at a very high level right now. Actually, pretty much all the team is, it seems like. Yeah, they're, they're really kind of hitting their stride, which is surprising given their lack of depth. Yeah, I was, yeah despite their depth issues, uh, they seem like they're doing really well. Uh, and obviously it is against lesser teams. Uh, and Ole Miss, uh, I can't remember who they played before that, but they still look pretty decent. You know? Yeah, who was, I can't remember who that was the week before either. Let me take a, take a look here. Go ahead with your um, analysis. But, uh... Yeah, I just I, mean, I just don't see uh, Vandy being able to put too many points on Tennessee um, without Warren Norman, um, Larry Smith at quarterback. You know, he can't do too much by himself just because the supporting cast at Vandy is very minimal. Yeah. So, I and mean, plus, I mean, surprisingly, I kind of picked 
they need to be a little better this year than they have been. You know, my preseason ACC picks. I actually expected Tennessee to go undefeated in the SEC, but they've kind of surprised me. So you mean winless in the SEC? Yeah, that's what I meant. Undefeated as in <laughs> zero wins. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there's uh, there's no way I don't think Tennessee Tennessee's gonna pull out this game. Just like I said against the Arkansas Mississippi State game, it'll be one I turn off at halftime. Yeah, I I agree. Tennessee's looking better and better. Vandy's looking worse and worse. Uh, Memphis was the team that Tennessee played two weeks ago. That's right. They looked pretty strong against. Uh, Seems like the, turning the corner, I yeah, guess. The, the SEC action uh, lacking a little bit in drama this week, but uh, those rivalry games on the horizon the week after. So it's uh, really some interesting games to finish up the season. Arkansas and LSU, that should be a great game. Of course, Auburn and Alabama. The Egg Bowl. Uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, yeah, the Egg Bowl, that's going to be a good one. Um, Tennessee and Kentucky, so some some really good matchups. Florida, Florida State, and yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech. So, so a lot to look forward to next week. Uh, everybody kind of taking a bye week in one yeah. way or another this week. So, uh, let's take a little bit of a different direction here. We've been talking about this a little bit before the show. I saw this on some message boards and thought it was a pretty interesting topic. So I want to talk about it for just a few minutes. You look at uh, Auburn's team this year versus the, the last time an Auburn team was in this position. 2004, obviously a rough year and a great year for Auburn fans. Probably one of the best teams that Auburn has ever had in 2004. Um, for a confluence of reasons, unable to get into the national championship game, but still an undefeated season, Sugar Bowl victory, uh, a huge number of first-round draft picks after that season. We thought it would be interesting to uh, put the 2004 Auburn team and the 2010 Auburn team on the field and see who would win that game. (laughs) So we did that virtually inside of our heads, and uh, now we're sort of going to discuss that result, I guess. So let's let's start. uh, Maybe the best way to do this is to sort of break it down, offense versus defense, and then the flip side, the other offense versus defense. So let's start first. with the 2004 Auburn offense versus this year's Auburn defense, what what kind of matchup do you think we'd be looking at there? Um, obviously, Jason Campbell in the back in the backfield, along with Cadillac and Ronnie Brown. I mean, that's if if there's a backfield you don't don't want to face, it's that one. Yeah. Um, I would not sure who I'd quarterback wise. I'd probably give the advantage to Cam Newton. Yeah. Just because, I mean, what he has done this year is fantastic. Uh, there's no way. I mean, it's he's. I think he's gonna beat. He's gonna beat Tebow's records when he went went on the one Heisman. He's gonna be the second QB to ever go twenty and twenty. He's already rushed for two or thrown for two thousand, ran for a, a thousand. Well, he's what the sixth quarterback to ever do that. Yeah, I mean, he's in pretty select company in many yeah. ways this season. So I'd say at quarterback. Advantage Cam Newton. Running back, even though Dyer and McCaleb were very good together, complement each other, but I think that also has to go with Cam Newton being able to run the ball. But I think strictly running back-wise, I'd probably go with the duo of Cadillac and Ronnie Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard not to. They, at that point, they're very experienced, yeah. uh, excellent blockers at that point, too. So 
maybe in a couple years with Mike Dyer, we'll have to see how he progresses. Maybe that changes. But right now, I agree with you. You definitely take Ronnie and Cadillac. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely experience wise. Yeah, uh, you can't comparing two seniors to a sophomore and a freshman. Absolutely. So, yeah. <clears throat> then uh, I guess wide receivers. All right, so running backs advantage to O four. Wide receivers. I guess in 04 you had Aroma Shadu, Obamanu, Mix. Should we add a tight end? Courtney Taylor. I yeah, Courtney Taylor. There. Should we? Put the, I guess we'll put the tight end and that. Yeah, it was uh, Cooper Wallace. Yeah, Cooper Wallace. Yeah. Um, and then this year in 2010, we have Darvin Adams, T. Zach, uh, Emory Blake, Cody, and Philip Lutzenkirchen. I mean, it's, it's almost a push, really. Yeah, I think it's, it's very, very similar. Um, I think the main main reason I'm kind of leaning towards maybe the 0-4 receivers is because they just had more opportunities yeah. to catch. It's true. But I think looking at big picture-wise, I'd say it's even. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd almost kind of take this year's wide receiving group, I think. Just maybe even because of better coaching. I, yeah. I think Trooper Taylor is a much better coach than Greg Knox was. And uh, I never want to bet against Darvin Adams. Uh, I think Mr. Clutch, possession-wise at least, and doing what he may not have the speed or the size of some of the receivers that we had in 2004, but uh, I still think I would take Darvin Adams over any of them. Maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. But still, I think overall, I think it's very close. What about offensive line? Um, I wish I knew more about 04's offensive line, but don't really know too much about it. I know that Mike McNeil... Over at left tackle, is that right? Yeah, I believe uh, Lindsey, <laughs> Danny Lindsey was the center. Yeah. Crittenden, uh, I think we had Ben Grubbs then too. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I mean, those are some guys that are obviously playing in the NFL now. At but least, yeah, at least two or three of them. Are. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this year we have Zimba, Isom, Barry, Pugh, and uh, Mosley, which they're all – Basically seniors. Yeah. Uh, and aside from Brandon Mosley, who came out as ju- as a junior college, uh, they the other four they've pretty much been playing since their freshman year, so they they are by far experienced. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know enough about this to really give a good you know advantage to one or the other. I I think I'd probably take this year's offensive line just because they've been playing together for so long. Yeah. And uh, the the huge holes. I mean even. Even with Carnell and Ronnie, it, it wasn't as easy to run as it has been this yeah. year. Just the the huge <laughs> holes that the offensive line's been opening up. So, I think that's that's who I would take. <laughs> so let's switch to the other side of the ball here. Let's talk about who we would uh, who we'd rather have at the defensive units, and then let's sort of go a different direction and uh, we'll pit the two thousand four offense versus the two thousand ten Auburn defense. And then the 2010 offense versus the 2004 defense. Right. So let's go ahead and talk about the the defense here. Who's better? And let's let's start with the the D line. Nick Fairley. That's yeah. all I gotta say. Um, and plus, Clayton and Block are playing at very high level right now. Those those three are two seniors and a junior. Uh, and it's defensive tackle wise, you have to take this year's. Yeah, I think defensive ends. I believe was O four was what, Stanley McClover and Quentin uh, Groves. Brett Edens. Brett Edens. Yeah. Um, I 
I don't have enough knowledge about that one either. So yeah, I mean they they were not uh, they were great players, but not any of them were really as dominating as Nick Fairley. So uh, yeah. I think I would agree. Probably the one place on the defense that I would take this year's team is the D line. Yeah. So that maybe that's kind of foreshadowing for the rest of it, but <laughs> linebackers, I mean, really not so close. I mean, they, Josh Bynes, I think you can make an argument for him, but the linebacking unit as a whole, uh, much better. Yeah, the Wounds in, brothers in two thousand four. I mean, just not even close. So um, I almost take Josh Bynes at middle and fill in what T. Will and I guess the other Williams brother. And Terrius. Terrius, yeah. yeah. So that, I think that'd be a great. Group right there. That would would still, be overall. I'd say, go for And then uh, of course the secondary really, <laughs> no question. I mean Junior Rose Green, Carlos Rogers, uh, it, you know th- those guys, not even a comparison. Not not nothing against Zach Etheridge and uh, <laughs> McNeil and Nico and all those guys, but they're really just not on the same level as yeah. the two thousand four players. So. Uh, yeah, definite advantage to the line for for ten. Linebacks and secondary, I'd say any advantage of four. Yeah, so defensively, pretty big advantage to the 2004 team. Now let's start off here with uh, the the 2004 Auburn offense versus the 2010 Auburn defense. I, I think the question is not necessarily who's better in that, but how well can this year's defense keep up with a team like that? Yeah, oh, I think we would give them fits with a running game. Or the ten, 2010 would give some problems with the running game for 04, but I still think Carnell and Ronnie will get their yards. Yeah. Um, of course, Jason Campbell, if the running game gets going, the play action pass opens up. And plus, the wide receivers, I think they'll be able to get separation fairly easily with the 10 defense. Yeah, I, I think uh, the 4 team would definitely be able to score quite a lot of points. Yep. But uh, looking at the other side of the coin, I mean, the, the 2010 Auburn offense versus the 4 defense, as good as they were, I don't think they could stop Cam Newton either. No way. And uh, this Auburn offense this year just has a ton of weapons. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, call me crazy and call me, uh, you know, I don't know, call me out for being a student this year and all, but I I almost feel like this year's team would win against the 2014, just because I remember watching some of those games in 2004, and it's not like that offense was just able to score at will, you know, like there were still some problems with the scoring. Defense was pretty solid, but... Not all the time. You know, you can't stop them on every play. So the fact that we've watched this Auburn offense this year just score on pretty much every possession, I I have to think that gives this year's team an advantage, even over the 04 team. Yeah, and when you you only have to punt two times at a game, there's really not much else you can do. Yeah. Uh, That's, yeah, like you said, scoring almost every possession, basically no one can stop this offense. Yeah. No matter how good your defense is, I, really, I mean, they always say de- defenses always be or good defense will win championships. I think offenses are better. Yeah, I mean, if you can score every time you get yeah. the ball, There's, you're putting yourself in a great position to win. Yeah, and then also another thing is a great defense is a fanta- is an amazing offense. You know, because that pressure 
added to the other offense to score every time to try to keep up. You just can't do it. Yeah. Well, uh, I think this is a really interesting question. <clears throat> Maybe something that we might explore a little bit more as time goes on. If you got an opinion on this, let us know, because uh, I know some people probably will feel pretty strongly about this one way or another, depending on their student status at different times. Yeah. or uh, you know, I think this is a pretty interesting question. Hard to not be a little bit biased on our part since we're here now yeah. and not back in 04, but interesting question nonetheless. Uh, I guess we're both saying that this year's team would win. I don't know. I guess what? Maybe by a touchdown? Yeah, I think it'd be a close game. Very close. Definitely. And, you know, maybe... Basically whoever has the ball last. Yeah. Maybe, maybe six times out of ten this year's team wins. Four yeah. out of ten the other. I don't know. Very, very close. But, uh, anyways... An interesting thought exercise, yep. nonetheless. Uh, maybe, maybe NCAA football in one of its incarnations on PlayStation will allow us to play this game at some point by putting both of these teams on the uh, the classic team yeah, mode or probably something. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, who knows? Twenty twelve, something like that. We'll see. See how that goes. But uh, <laughs> anyways, we thought that'd be interesting to talk about. We still have the pick ten to talk about here, real quick. Uh, both of us having pretty pedestrian weeks last week. I went six and four. Brett went five and five. We'll run through this week's pick ten right here after this short break. Here on the water cooler, we got the whole crew together today. Tom McMeans back with the beard, back with a vengeance. Nick Cox sitting here, chickened out on the mullet minute today. Didn't want to do one. This so. wasn't a whole lot going on last weekend. But uh, we, we're all here. The four of us have been reunited, all here to pick games today. And uh, me and Brett are going to destroy them at the picking this week. So. Well, I'm picking on the fly. I don't even know what games we have here. Well, it should should be an interesting pick session here. Brett and I already picked the two SEC games that we have on the pick 10. The, the first one is Arkansas at Mississippi State. Tom, what do you think about that one? I think I think Ryan Mallett's just too good for this game. Uh, Mississippi State, definitely a, a shocking season from them, but, but Arkansas is going to take that one, two scores. Alright, Nick? I'm going to go with Arkansas because their name comes first in the alphabet. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. I got some solid reasons. Right? That's what we're going for. All right. Well, uh, it looks like it's unanimous, all of us picking Arkansas there. Uh, let's go on to the next one. Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Nick, we'll let you take this one first. You got a better reason for this one? Um, I'm going to go with, with Vanderbilt because I'm pretty sure they can count. All right. I think I think uh, Vanderbilt stands a chance to win this, but I think Tennessee is going to end up taking the W. All right, so Nick, the only person taking Vandy there. <laughs> I, don't want, I mean, I mean, they're uh, they're they're troubled in their their uh, their football players there. They're all really smart. 
But let's just be honest. Tennessee's had some, some trouble counting this year. They they have they have had trouble counting with the the players on the field. That's that's right. That's ec- excellent memory. So we'll see. <laughs> that's been a long time since that happened though. All right, moving on to some games out of the conference. This one coming to us from the WAC. Fresno State and Boise State. Every week we just keep hoping Boise State will lose so we don't have to listen to this crap anymore. Fresno State last week played very close with Nevada. Not a bad team. Uh, I believe it was 35-34, to 34, Nevada coming out on top there. I guess we'll go around the horn here. Brett, your thoughts first. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Boise on this one. It's a home game. Um, the blue on blue, even though people like, like don't like to say it, but it is a factor, just because it's so hard to see. Too much blue, I mean, really. Um, Kellen Moore, fantastic season right now. But Fresno State, I think, reeling from the, I guess, one-point loss, and how much how much factor will that come into? So, I don't know. I'm going Boise on this one. All right. As much as it hates me to say it, but... I know. mean, it's not like they play great competition. It's uh, so. hard to pick against them. Yep. Nick, what do you got? Um, I definitely have to go with Boise on this one. That's probably not a surprise to anybody out there. I just think Fresno State's going to have a hard time getting to the end zone, getting past the Boise's huge heads. <laughs> so, they got a big head. That ego is going to play a factor in the <laughs> yeah, offensive scheme this, I, this I week. I think it's going to keep them from getting next to that end zone. All right. Tom? Well, I also uh, i am throwing my lot in with, with uh, Boise State Broncos and the Smurf turf this week. I just don't think Fresno has the juice to uh, pull the upset. All right, I, I agree with all of you. Boise State, uh, I mean, like I said, they just don't play anybody. Fresno State, one of the better teams they're playing this year, but still not good Yeah, enough. but what is, you know, that, that <laughs> so, doesn't mean much. Yeah, so we found out what it was like to be Boise State fans a couple of weeks ago when we played Chattanooga. Uh, really not that much fun. So I actually kind of feel sorry for the Boise State fans. They never get to experience great games, but, you know, whatever, their loss. So. All right, next up, we're going to move to a matchup in the Big 12. Nebraska, 9-1, and one, with uh, the only loss coming to Texas. That loss kind of mystifying at this point with the spiral that Texas has taken downward. This week, traveling to College Station, Texas, to play Texas A&M. Tom, we'll start with you on this one. What do you think? I, th- I think Nebraska. I... Uh... <clears throat> I know they've had some troubles as of late, uh, some close wins, but I, I think I think they take it. I just don't think Texas A&M uh, is that great of a team. All right. Nick, uh, what wonderful analysis do you have for us on this well, one? You know, the, the end zones are 100 yards apart, and I think both teams are going to be trying to get to their respective ends, but, but in the end, Nebraska is going to do it more times than, uh, than Texas A&M, so I'll have to go to Nebraska. Next time you say that, can you speak it with a lisp like Lou Holtz? <laughs> That's astute. <laughs> I'll do my best. All right, Brett, what are you thinking? Um, initially, I picked Texas A&M because their offense has really turned the corner with... Was my analysis too solid? you got to change your mind that? <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> initially, that was before I heard your analysis. Um, but uh, Taney Hill, or however you say his name, um, they made the change of quarterback, getting rid of Gerard Johnson, putting in Taney Hill. Texas A&M's offense has definitely taken off. Defense still pretty suspect. Um, I don't know Nebraska. How is Martinez's legs? You know, holding up. Yeah, you know, he's taking a beating this he season. Had a sprained ankle recently or something like that. Anyways, but 
Nebraska's defense, very good. Uh, I think they'll be able to – Nebraska's secondary will be able to shut down. Maybe not shut down, but, you know, at least keep up with Texas A&M. And I think Nebraska's rushing game is too good. So, go Nebraska as well. All right, everybody else taking Nebraska but me. I'm going with Texas A&M on this one. I've liked what they've done since they switched over to Tannehill. Gerard Johnson just threw a few too many interceptions. I was kind of hurting them, but I like them at home. Uh, Nebraska had a close call against, uh, I believe it was Iowa State. Iowa State last week, yeah. So a close call for them in overtime. It's not sold on them right now, so I'm gonna take Texas A&M in that one. All right, next game we got on here from the Big Ten, Ohio State. <laughs> At Iowa, Iowa coming off a rough loss to Northwestern last week. But Ohio State's come off of uh, three pretty easy wins against uh, Purdue and uh, Minnesota. And who did they play last week? Penn State. Penn State, yeah. So not a whole lot of tough competition for them lately. Nick, you're first this time. What do you, what do you think? You know, at the the beginning of, of each offensive play, the, the center likes to give the ball to the, the quarterback. And at that point, he's he's got a real chance to score. And I think I was the one to, to pick on this end. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't argue with that reasoning. Uh, Tom, would you like to refute that? Uh, you know, I, I, I have to pick Iowa argue. on this one just because – I agree with, with Andy's statement. Ohio State, they haven't really proven themselves much at all this season. I, I was going to win this one. All right. Brett? All right. I guess I'm doing what you're doing. Going with Ohio, Ohio State. Y'all two are against me. It's all right. Um, Terrell Pryor having a very pretty good year this year. Um, Ohio State's defense is one of the best in the nation. They're... they're uh, I guess competition, like Tom said, not exactly the best, but it is the Big Ten. They all play each other, so all their competition isn't that great. Um, so, I don't know. I like Terrell Pryor in this one. Uh, Ricky Stangy, very good quarterback, but I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling Ohio State all right. and, and the vest. Taking so. the vest in that one. Yeah. I, I know Iowa came off a rough loss to Northwestern last week, but they're playing at home here. Ohio State's kind of probably gotten a little bit lax with the, the three easy opponents they've had, so I'm going to go with you two. I'm going to take Iowa in this one. I like them at home. Uh, all right, next game in the ACC, and uh, I believe you said this this game is for uh, whatever, the Coastal Division or the Atlantic Division. Mm-hmm. I can't ever keep it straight, but whichever one Florida State and Maryland are in, uh, that is our next game here. It's at Maryland. Maryland, a team that uh, really doesn't have a lot of impressive wins on its resume this year. Neither does Florida State, really, but uh, (coughs) Florida State coming off uh, an impressive last-second victory over Clemson last week with a 55-yard field goal. Uh, Pretty impressive kick there. What do you think, Tom? I mean, I really don't think anybody wants to win in that conference. Uh, I'm just going to go with the home team. I think I think Maryland's got this. All right. Nick? I'm going to have to go with Florida State. I mean, they got an offense and a defense, and at any given time, you're only going to have one of those on the field. And so uh, Florida State, I think, is the one I would go with. <laughs> wow. 
You know what? In the end, the yeah. analysis doesn't matter. It's just who you pick. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. This is, this is tough. I'm still, I'm, again, initially picked FSU. Kind of leaning towards Maryland right now, but I'm going to do an analysis, then I'm going to pick it. So we'll see how, see how it goes. All right. That's usually the best way to do it. <laughs> All right, Nick's sitting right by me, and it, it's his. He's, don't he's, let it rub yeah, off on you. It can only hurt you. All right. Um, oh, North Carolina. Who, who am I looking at right now? Florida State. But don't jump ahead here either. You can't get out of this pick. you got to make it. All right, Florida State, past three weeks, they've had a rough time. Lost to North Carolina State. Lost to North Carolina and had pull-off last-second victory against Clemson. Um, Christian Ponder, he's hurt right now. Um, Manuel, or ha- Manuel, how you say it. Um, oh, not sure what their offense is going to do in this week in preparation for Maryland. But also, Maryland, decent defense. Not sure about their offense. Seems like they put up some decent points, but it's not really against anybody. So, oh, it's, I think it's a toss-up. I'm I'm going I'm going home team on this one. And take Maryland. Yeah, just because FSU they're not doing too great right now. All right, Tom, did you say you were going to take Maryland? (coughs) I did. Okay, all right. So we got two for Maryland, and uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with Nick here, not because of his analysis, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh, We've seen that when it comes down to the wire, they can kick some really long field goals. That is true, and special teams, uh, you know, that, that can be very important in a game like this with two evenly matched teams. So that was actually good analysis there. Try to do that in the next game. Yeah. But uh, I was impressed with Manuel, the the fill-in for Christian Ponder. He's got a pretty good amount of mobility, decent enough passing ability to not make too many mistakes, and I'm really just unimpressed with Maryland. Uh, their resume, like I said, they don't have any real signature wins. Uh, I mean, against teams like Morgan State or something. I mean, th- those are some of the wins they've got on their schedule. So, Where's that on the map? It's... The state of Morgan. I, I don't know where that is. I mean, it must be over in Russia or something. Yeah, but, my globe's uh, out of date. Anyways, I'm going to take Florida State on that one. <laughs> Let's move on to the next game here before Nick hurts himself. Uh, this is another ACC matchup. Virginia Tech at Miami. Miami's starting quarterback for most of the season, Ja'Cory Harris, I believe is still going to be out for this game with concussion symptoms. So, uh... You guys may want to factor that into your analysis. Virginia Tech, all they've done is win this season uh, with the exception of their first two games against Boise State and that Division II team, James Madison. That was kind of an ugly loss for them. But ever since then, I've done nothing but win. Had some close calls, but another interesting ACC matchup here. Brett, what do you think here? Um, I'm I'm going with Virginia Tech on this one. Uh, like like you said, they're I guess riding the momentum right now. Um, if they if they do slip up the rest of the season, it'll be against Miami. Um, it is an away game. Um, I don't know. Having Jacory Harris out is definitely a blow to Miami. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks. You're, you're gonna take Tech. BT, all right? Yeah. Nick, what do you think? I uh, I went to Virginia recently and. I really think weather's going to play a factor here. I think it's not that cold in Miami. And so I think they got the home, te- home, uh, home team advantage. 
what I'm thinking. So because it's hot. Well, it's like because it's seventy. Hot. <laughs> I'm just thinking. You know, Virginia Tech probably hadn't been been playing in too much warm weather, and uh, and ultimately the the team of the football has got a better chance of scoring. So let's go to Miami on this one. All right. <laughs> Tom, save us from that. <laughs> I mean, I I don't see how you can you can go against the Hokies on this one. Uh, they, they had a rocky start, and I hated it for them. Um, well, I hated it for us because they lost to Boise State mainly. But I don't think that they're going to find a way to lose, and I certainly don't think Miami without Jacoby Harris is going to find a way to win. I agree with everything you said right there, to uh, paraphrase Lee Corso. Uh, and mostly just because of Nick's reasoning, I'm going with Virginia Tech on this one because I don't even understand what you just said. (laughs) 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 All right, so uh, we got two more games left here on the Pick 10. Yet another ACC matchup. It seems to be uh, the only conference that's having interesting games this week. This is an in-state rivalry. North Carolina State playing North Carolina at... North Carolina in Chapel Hill this week. I'm going to go ahead and start this one off. I've been burned a couple of times by picking against NC State this year. Russell Wilson, their quarterback, has been very impressive both through the air and on the ground. Uh, The last couple of times I have managed to pick NC State, they haven't let me down. So I'm going to go with NC State on this one. Uh, Tom, what are you doing here? I think I'm going to have to go with NC State as well. Uh, again, you know, I haven't really been impressed with anything that's been going on this year in the ACC. Uh, I don't know. I go with NC State. All right. Yeah, Brett. Oh, you me. <laughs> you can go last. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to NC State as well. I like Russell Wilson. Uh, he'll probably break the 3,000 passing yards. I guess barrier this year or this game. Um, plus, I mean, they they did lose to Clemson by one point. I don't know, but they've played really good games the past uh, few weeks. North Carolina basically all they have is T.J. Yates, but he can't do it by, by, by can't do it by himself. So I like Russell Wilson and the Wolf Pack. All right, Nick. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say here. You know, they've been playing this game all season long. This is the same game they were playing in opening weekend. Um, I'm going to have to go with NC State on this one. I think Russell Wilson's been, been really impressive on the ground and <laughs> in the air. <laughs> so I like that. I like that. NC State. All right. Were, so you, were you thinking something similar? I was. We finally <laughs> agree. We agree on something. All right. And we got one last game here. This is a Thursday night matchup, so we'll be able to see if you were right on this one. Tomorrow night, uh, UCLA playing at Washington. I believe the reports I've seen say that Washington's quarterback Jake Locker will be playing in this game. He's pretty much uh, what makes their team go. And uh, that one signature win that UCLA had this year over Texas, not really looking so good anymore after Texas has stor- sort of stumbled as the year has gone by. Um, I'm sorry, we have two more games here, so. Don't don't get excited. One of those pick eleven. This is this is pick ten. We're we're like Tennessee. We can't count here. I guess. So. Anyways, uh, Tom, go ahead and start us off with this one. UCLA and Washington. I think if Jake Locker uh, plays, that that Washington wins. They've had a pretty inconsistent season. 
But uh, I agree with what you said about UCLA. Their one win against Texas, their hallmark victory, isn't isn't much to hang your hat on at this point. So uh, I, I pick Washington. All right, Nick. I'm going to start from the back of the alphabet this time and go to, go to Washington. All right, probably a good choice. Yeah. Brett? Um, I like I like Jake, Jake Walker if he plays. Um, the thing is, Washington, they, they're coming off, I guess, a very tough three-game stretch with Arizona, Stanford, and Oregon, all of which they got thumped in at least 40 points against them. So I, mean, I don't know how that will affect them. You know, just, just that beat down. I don't know. Um, but they are Washington. I guess they're used to it. UCLA, UCLA, on the other hand, not doing too good. Like you said, they beat Texas earlier in the year. But Texas, that win doesn't look too great. Um, being at home at, at Washington, I think I'm going to have to go with Washington on this one because UCLA, um, not doing too great. Plus, they have the quarterback controversy right now with uh, Bree Hot and Prince. Not sure he's really going to be playing, so... Yeah, they've had that issue all year. I'm going to go with the crowd here. I'm going to take Washington, too. I've just seen UCLA play a couple times, and they just uh, don't have the same level of talent as Washington. So, All right, one final game here out of the Big East. Pitt at South Florida. I know uh, Tom was kind of surprised at my initial pick here, so I'll go ahead and let him make his case first. Well, South Florida is one of those teams, they, they sort of crop up every year. Um Sounds like a critter story. Devils. No, I just I just feel like they they had a pretty inconsistent start, but they've had I think three wins in a row is the last thing I heard, and they had a, a good overtime win on the road against Louisville last week. Their losses. I know they lost to Syracuse and West Virginia. I don't know who their other loss was. Florida. Uh, who? Florida. Florida? Okay. Well, neither of those three are, are too terribly shameful. I'm, I'm not impressed with Pitt, really, this year, so I'm going with Skip Holtz and the, the Bulls. All right. Nick? I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Uh, I think both teams are, are going to come out wanting to win, and, and when they leave the locker room, it's going to be time to play some football, so I'll have to go with South Florida on this one. All right. We, I'm glad we missed out on a mullet minute today. This is a thousand times better. Yeah. All right, Brett, go ahead. Uh, I like Deion Lewis. Not feeling South Florida right now. Um, actually, I'm not really impressed with either team, or the Big East for that fact. Uh, but uh, I'm going pit on this one. Yeah, I I agree. The, the Big East no longer deserves an automatic BCS bid. That much is for sure. But if you got to pick a team here, I'm going to go with Pitt as well. Uh, I, I think their defense is a little bit better than what B.J. Daniel and South Florida are going to be able to do on offense. So, going against the Holtz magic here. But uh, most things I don't want to get slobbered on by the Patriarch Lou. But anyways, <laughs> going to take Pitt here. So, let's see if I can run through all these picks here and get everybody's correct, just so all of our many listeners at home know how we picked when they choose their <laughs> pick tens. Uh, all of us are going to take Arkansas over Mississippi State. Uh, we're split a little bit on Tennessee and Vandy. Nick is ill-advisedly taking Vanderbilt. The rest of us taking Tennessee. Uh, all of us taking Boise State over Fresno. Everybody taking Nebraska except me against Texas A&M. I'm going to take uh, Texas A&M at home. 
three of us taking Iowa, Brett taking Ohio State in that Big Ten game. Uh, we're split down the middle on uh, the FSU-Maryland game. Nick and I are both going to take Florida State. Brett and Tom are going to take Maryland. How does that make you feel about your pick, Andy? Uh, not too confident anymore. <laughs> uh, another ACC matchup. Three of us are going to take Virginia Tech, and Nick, once again, looking in on the outside, taking Miami because of their 70-degree game-time temperature home field advantage. Uh, all of us are going to take NC State over North Carolina. All of us are going to take Washington over UCLA. And we're split on the last game. Brett and I are going to take Pitt, and Nick and Tom are going to take South Florida. That's all the time we have here on the water cooler this week, unfortunately, or we could just give a whole another hour to uh, Nick's football prognostications. I want to branch off and make my own radio show. <laughs> Good luck getting more <laughs> listeners than we have because it's hard to get more than zero. Wait, well, whatever. Anyways, still can't count here on the water cooler apparently, but special shout-out to our guests Nick and Tom for uh, picking games here with us this week. We'll see you next week. I'll be doing the show with my friend David at home in Decatur. Switching things up a little bit, and then we'll be back the next week to preview the SEC championship. Hard to believe uh, that we're going to be able to talk about that. So we'll be back next week right here on the Water Cooler.